0: You know, there's that, that spiritual underpinning to all of this. And that's that's kind of where Half-Life started going. Um, and that's why the, the subject of love kind of comes up over and over again, mm-hmm. which is weird because we're talking about sometimes some really scary um, situations. Uh, and yet, through these, these bizarre encounters and these unsolved mysteries, there, there's this sense of this interconnectedness, this over- Arching oneness, which for me personally, um, I ascribe to this to you know the life force, the field like Lynn Mctaggart you know refers to. Um, I call it love of the big L or universe of the big U. And um, it's it, it's amazing that someone like Geraldine Orozco can mm-hmm. um, have an alien, what she calls an alien abduction, right? And it's scary. It's not right to my mind, you know. And yet, it it put her on this path of like a deep metaphysical um, uh, search.
1: Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Higher Journeys. Of course, if it is your first time here, I welcome you. I am your host, Alexis Brooks, and I am thrilled, always thrilled, when we're g- going to be talking about the paranormal from end to end. That's exactly what we're going to be doing today with my special guest, first-time guest mm-hmm. and director of the film, Half-Light, Mr. Alan B. Smith. Welcome to the show, dude. How are you? I am good, dude. How are you? <laughs> dude. That's the first time I've called a it. lot of
0: things. <laughs> I know. Yeah, every once in a while a dude slips out when I'm when I'm speaking to my wife and she's like, I'm not a dude. I'm like, I know, it's
1: just vernacular. I grew up with that word. You know? A lot of people do that. I'll yeah, I'll yeah. take that without any you know. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a yeah, it's a loving, it's an affectionate term. So yeah. I've been called a lot of things. I probably would not called you too, but nonetheless, <laughs> <Right>. my apologies. <laughs> oh, no apologies necessary. Listen, we're talking about weird stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be we talking are. about, yeah. and I say that uh, uh, somewhat euphemistically, I suppose, to the journeyers know that what we talk about here, I do not consider paranormal actually, as I've said, it is normal, not yet understood. And in this film of yours, it runs about an hour and a half, an hour and a half, guys, of some good stuff, a lot of stories. Mm -hmm. I think um, we can surmise that this, what we call high strangeness, is not para. It's not unusual. uh, Well, it is, I suppose, to normal folk that still refuse to believe it exists. It is Mm -hmm. something that is quite ubiquitous in our history. It is quite common, I would say, for most people. And yet there's still this uh, loathing to talk about it um, uh, so much. And yet I think that's changing. But with films like yours, I think we're setting the table to have a more cogent discussion about a string of phenomena, Mm -hmm. UFOs, the ET UFO phenomena, let's call it broadly, the afterlife, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, shadow people, which you cover in the film. I want to get into all of this as much as we can in about 45 minutes or so, Alan. Tell me, you know, I I was saying to Alan before we got on the air, just want to make sure I'm clicking the boxes here and making sure I'm getting stuff accurate. Now, the film is called Half Light, The Paranormal. It changes you, right? And he goes, well, actually, no, that's actually not right. It's just Half Light. I'm like, damn, I actually like that. Here's why. The Paranormal, it changes you. Yeah. It changed you, right? After the sighting of yours at 12 years old. Let's start with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, and now, now I'm wishing I did make that yeah, the subtitle. You can
1: always change it. I, know, I probably could, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, yeah, it does change you. It, it, it puts you into a new mindset. And so for me, it started at 10, 12 years old, roughly 12 years old. Um, a friend of mine and I, um, you know, kids in the back of a car, um, our parents were driving. And... It was what was called the Poor Man's Highway. And it runs parallel to the uh, New Jersey Parkway. And it was called the Poor Man's Highway because it was you know, a rougher road and you didn't have to pay the tolls. Um, and it's a beautiful area in the Pine lands of New Jersey, the home of the Jersey Devil. And um, you know, we're just kind of peering out the window. And I don't know which one of us saw it first, but there was like this light and there were two lights and they were moving. Not, you know, just subtly, you know, in front of the star field behind it. So it was like these, they looked like really bright stars, but they were moving, you know, in the fort. Well, one of them in particular, uh, it dashed across the sky, stopped at a dime, streaked back across the sky, stopped at a dime, and then went up, like, into the upper atmosphere, like a shooting star in reverse, um, if you can imagine what that looks like visually. Uh, and so that just something clicked, you know, one of those goosebumpy moments. And uh, we were just in awe, and we don't know what we saw. It was the pine barren, It was a clear night, um, so you know, even though we have cranberry bogs out there, uh, it wasn't swamp gas by, by any means. Certainly wasn't a flock of birds. Uh, it wasn't a kite and um you know at best the closest explanation you might get to is temperature inversion but looking at that it's still to my mind it doesn't explain the behavior of these things uh behaving independently and then of course you know streaking up into the upper atmosphere as it did um that was a strange phenomena Uh, so i don't know what it was exactly but it was certainly unknown and from that point on I you was know, a little kid. I had a little, little notepad and I'm you know, interviewing neighbors and family and friends. And, hey, have you seen a UFO? And, you know, trying to come up with little theories of how aliens got here. Um, I wish I could find the notepad. Um, I still keep, keep hopeful that one day I'll come across it. But, uh, you know, that was the beginning. And then, you know, I guess when I was 14, no, 13, uh, the X-Files came out. Mm-hmm. And so it was shortly after that you know, that really kind of instilled even deeper, you know, that curiosity of not just you know, a UFO mystery, but all mysteries of the paranormal sort. But like you said, paranormal really isn't, it's not abnormal. It's just a mystery. It's just something that we haven't figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that, so it, it's kind of funny because it's the, it's the not knowing that I find exciting. I
1: think that um, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: But but I still want to know. Um, but there's a part of me that almost I don't want to know everything. You know, like I want to know that extraterrestrials exist, right? But you know, do I do I really want to know how the universe was created? Um, or is, or is, is there something kind of hmm. exciting in the mystery of not getting that answer? I don't. It kind of falls me. You know, it depends on the day. You know how I feel about that.
1: It's interesting that you say that, Alan, because we were saying off air, I was just listening to one of actually one of the gentlemen that you interview in the film, Ryan Sprague. I think Mm -hmm. uh, some of the journeyers probably know his name from Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Very, very good podcast. Thumbs up and kudos to him. And I believe it was the show that I was listening just today where he said the same thing. If I'm not mistaken, it was him that said um, being a lifelong um, buff in these areas, if you will, Obviously, I have an insatiable thirst for wanting to know more, but there's a part of me that mm-hmm. doesn't want, to, maybe, doesn't want to know. where do you think that's coming from? Are we afraid uh, of the truth? What's that no. all about?
0: No, I think, I think it's because we're innately a curious species.. Yeah. Um, and so if you wipe out all mysteries, then, then what does your curiosity have left? Oh, um, not so interest. Not, yeah, not that there's any limit. You know um we can find out where aliens came from we can find out how many species there are out there and there will still be plenty of things um you know so these are more abstract thoughts but but that that world of abstract thinking relates directly to how we see ourselves you know in the world um and how we kind of want to manifest our own identity and our and our relationship with the universe that we find ourselves in the people that we mm-hmm. you know love and are in conflict with in you know, there's that that spiritual underpinning to all of this, and that's that's kind of where Half Life started going, um, and that's why the the subject of love kind of comes up over and over again, mm-hmm. which is weird because we're talking about sometimes some really scary um, situations, uh, and yet through these these bizarre encounters and these unsolved mysteries, there there's this sense of this interconnectedness, this over arching oneness which for me personally um, I ascribe to this to you know the life force the field like Metag- you know refers to um, I call it love of the big L or universe of the big U and um, it, it, it's amazing that someone like Geraldine Orozco can mm-hmm. uh, have an alien what she calls an alien abduction right and it's scary it's not right to my mind you know And yet, it it put her on this path of like a deep metaphysical um, uh, search, a longing um, to understand more, but she also felt that she did kind of, you know, get some messages from these alleged ETs that um, helped bring her enlightenment up a little bit more, you know, so that she can kind of see beyond the... The the matrix, you know, mm-hmm. as as it is, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting that you bring up Geraldine. We've had occasion to talk on several occasions, and never really. Actually, we did meet. We did meet once, I think, at Contact in the Desert, quite a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring her up in this regard. She is in the film and in quite a um, quite a few of the the segments, mm-hmm. but particularly where she talks about Alan, the hybridization program, something I wanted to to dig in with you a bit. -hmm. This is a very elusive and yet within our community, well known uh, aspect of the phenomenon Mm -hmm. of uh, alien abduction. Uh, She's talked about this before having, um, you know, fetal tissue taken from her, she's very candid about it, taken from her stomach and hybrid babies being created. This, of Mm -hmm. course, is not a case in isolation. This, as me in the field of ufology, am well aware uh, of, of these stories. Um, and yet to the average person, they would seem extraordinarily bizarre. What were your thoughts when you got uh, her commentary, not commentary, but her anecdotes mm-hmm. on that? And have you heard of this before? And just generally speaking, what what are your thoughts on this idea of a hybridization program?
0: Uh, for me, it's not unbelievable. I think it's in, certainly in the realm of uh, possibility. And I certainly don't think that Geraldine or Tiffany Mack or Debbie Cobble are lying about these experiences. Um, but then we find ourselves in this weird place, like like Whitley Strieber uh, discusses so often, is one day he's thinking it was real, it was a real physical experience, and then the other day it maybe it was some kind of consciousness interjection, um, you know, so it, almost like the mind was put into this other realm and, and experienced, almost like in Star Trek, you know? And I, I don't know which is which, but I do think that there's a physical aspect to this. Even if there's a consciousness aspect to it, I, I do think there's a physical reality. Um, for instance, uh, Dead Cobble, when she had her, her experiences, she's saying I was abducted by aliens, right? Um, you know, hybridization programs, all, all these sort of things. Okay, so from a skeptic's point of view, it's a story. However, there were eyewitnesses that did see uh, light and a UFO um, right over her house. So, if it was some sort of just mindscape consciousness thing, how did all these other people, um, you know, witness these these sightings at the same time to kind of corroborate? know, the the timing of her own experiences. So there's something really bizarre going on. Is it, you know, uh, an archetypal kind of um, dreamscape that's playing out that we're sort of manifesting this collectively as a culture? Because perhaps that's something we've always done throughout history. Perhaps the Bible, our eyewitness accounts from like Ezekiel you know, uh, wheels within wheels, you know, this, this chariot of fire coming down, um, you know, Quetzalcoatl, you know, the, the serpent, uh, feathered serpent coming down from the sky and bringing us messages and, you know, being the creator. Perhaps maybe some of that is us actually kind of creating this. Um, because if rea- reality is consciousness, then we're co creators in the reality. Um, that doesn't mean I can just sit here and go okay I'm going to manifest you know uh, a thunderbird it's going to come to the sky no but if there is this undercurrent this archetypal landscape within human consciousness that collectively is is powerful are we manifesting elves Are you know are the the um what are they called the the, Tulpa? the Or well or the tul- yeah Tulpa's Tulpa Falls exactly. right into that
1: category. Mm-hmm. Hey, totally,
0: yeah. Um, the fairy yes. circles, right? We have the, the folk stories of that that are very similar, very parallel to mm-hmm. alien abduction. You have missing time. Uh, you have witness of fairies. I mean, if you go to Iceland, you know the fairies have big black, you know, you know almond shaped eyes. Um, in Ireland, the fairies are gray skinned, mm-hmm. um, you know, lanky kind of characters. So you know, maybe this is just something we continue to do in different forms throughout time. But if that's true, there's still this physical aspect, which mm-hmm. just, it throws me for a loop. I'm still working on it.
1: So. You're you're speaking my language, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see me <laughs> nodding, nodding, like, oh my God, now yeah. we're getting into the real, the complexity. And yet perhaps for me, the most exciting mm-hmm. part, Alan, of this whole enigma, and that is, what is the true impetus for these experiences. When we start talking about consciousness and co-creation, and I don't mean in a woo-woo way, but in a very, very almost scientific way, mm-hmm. we can we can even bring in the holographic model of our brains and the universe operating holographically to with this coinciding can bring about an actual, what we think is a physical effect. There's so many Uh, concepts that jive perfectly with what you're sort of hinting at bringing in that archetypal element how much is collective consciousness responsible for the the mythos and history of our physical universe are you familiar with the experiment called conjuring philip that was, this was an experiment done. Oh my God, I'm not going to get my facts right. I believe it was a group of Canadian students. Please forgive me for those of you that know the story. It's It's been quite a few years ago where they essentially were playing with a Ouija board. There were a group of individuals sitting mm-hmm. around a Ouija board and they wanted to conjure a spirit. Mm-hmm. But somehow it went from using a Ouija board in the classical sense to sort of creating this personage that took on very real characteristics, and they called him Philip. Uh, Though it was part of the collective imagination of this group, Mm -hmm. Philip began to respond with its own individuated consciousness. It's a a classic case. Look look it up. I think you would find it intriguing. But this goes to the heart of what you're talking about. How much are we responsible for here? Certainly not consciously Mm responsible. We're not doing this consciously. But through repetition, redundancy, history, mm-hmm. are we creating the quote unquote myth that we're experiencing?
0: I think, probably to some degree, I mean, it's, it's similar to the um, Slenderman.
1: Yes, uh, same thing. Yes.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, that, that sort of unconscious, collective consciousness. I don't I don't know why that has an effect, but it seems that that it does um and i guess i struggle with this because it's so incalculable because there are people every day that are praying for world peace you know there are people every day that you know want the best for you know humanity and peace and love and all that jazz and you would think with all that intention that we'd be in, in in nirvana by now you know mm. and and yet we're, we're not could it be that what we're seeing is the effect of that. It just doesn't appear that way to us because we don't know otherwise. Um, ha, you know, if we didn't have that conscious and unconscious desire, you know, for peace and love, maybe the world would be, you know, a hellscape compared to what it is it is mm. now. So there's no way to really to measure it. Um, so using that as as an example, you know, there are many other dreams and manifestations that people desire that don't come true, um, and yet these weird. Things do take place, so um, that that definitely falls into the mystery basket, or like uh, you know, Stanton Friedman called the gray basket, right? It's like there's a little bit of tantalizing evidence to suggest that this might be real, uh, but we can't, we don't know. But there is some scientific precedence for um, brain activity and uh, brain waves having an effect on physical matter. So, for instance, when we are communicating, and you know. Uh, our brains are our, our neurons are sending signals. There's chemical signals and there's electromagnetic signals going you know, from neuron to neuron. The electromagnetic signals, you know, and this is real science. I'm not a scientist, but this is legit. This is real science. Uh, that magnetic wave goes out beyond the, the nerve endings, and in, has been measured entering into the surrounding flesh, um, and then other weaker signals, uh, I believe, further out. So that literally, our thoughts, the, the data, the literal data that you're thinking, that's going from neuron to neuron, is going out beyond, you know, this this cage. So, um, yeah. is there is there a have I mean, we not just detected an even more subtle uh, sharing of that information that goes out even further, or maybe enters into some other? Uh, for lack of a better word, the quantum realm yeah. that we're not quite aware of. And then that's where that, that's, that's shared. Um, you know, that's just the fact that we have that initial, because if you said to somebody in I don't know, 1800, 1850, or maybe 1900, it, you know, if you said, oh, there's energy coming out of your brain and it's sending you know, signals of data um, that can be measured with instruments, people just think you're crazy. You know, it wouldn't make sense, especially to scientists at the time. At the time. Uh, at the time, yeah. So for me, you know, those steps forward in our understanding of how weird, you know, our biology is, just mm-hmm. the biology itself, gives me hope that eventually we will get an answer to these consciousness questions. And maybe, maybe I'm taking a leap, but maybe that's the key for the survival, the continued survival of a civilization. Because, you know... Scientists are always said, Is always like, oh, you know, there's civilization, one, two, three, four. Mm. Will humanity ever get to the next level? Um, maybe this is what we have to get to, the point of a deeper understanding of, of that interconnectedness. If we can get there, then maybe we make it and we can graduate and we can survive. If we you know, get there, if epoch. we can,
1: if we can yeah. remain organic human, which brings mm-hmm. about a conversation we're not going to have right now. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's, we know there are a lot of moving parts to what's going on and what some want Mm -hmm. for humanity, the the morphing, et et cetera. Again, another conversation for another time. Mm -hmm. But you, again, are bringing up some really, really important points um, that deepen the complexity of this millstrom of stuff that's going on. Um, uh, The question I had just left me, it had to do with Consciousness. Of course. Well, here's what I want to do. This is a good time to just dive into the the mechanics of your film because where you don't spend a ton of time talking about the consciousness problem, it's mm-hmm. undergirding pretty much every conversation that's going on. Sure. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the let's let's give the, the audience a snapshot of some of the areas of anomalous experience that you cover. It's not just about mm-hmm. UFOs, guys. This is about the spectrum, uh, you know, shadow people, the mm-hmm. afterlife. Uh, a lot on the afterlife. And I want to talk about some of the individuals that you interviewed that just told stories of losing loved ones. It didn't necessarily always go to, I saw them after in the afterlife, but rather just going into the emotional impact Mm -hmm. of losing a loved one. You kind of folded that in, in a very unique way. Talk about that. You know what I'm talking about. If you're enjoying this episode, along with all of the subjects that we cover here on Higher Journeys, then I invite you to join our members-only community on Patreon, where we go even deeper into the conversations with the guests that you know and love. Not only does your membership ensure that we can keep this work going and growing, but you'll also get immediate access to our exclusive after shows. Get up close and personal with the guests of the show, along with many other member perks. So click on the link below to join now or visit higherjourneys.com where you'll find the Patreon link. We'll see you on the journey. Thanks.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's funny. Again, like when you're oh, the first documentary that my wife and I made, um, was, again, it was a one off passion project. It was called Born Equal. Born um, people can find it on Amazon Prime, it's free there. Uh, and bornequal.net is the website. It was a film about uh, fighting for marriage equality, LGBTQ uh, mm-hmm. rights. We didn't have Q at the time, but LGBTQ rights. And uh, we followed a Christian couple, a, a day in a life, a uh, lesbian couple and their family, and then intertwined that day in a life with multiple perspectives from uh, Hinduism, uh, Wiccan, uh, Christian, uh, Sufi, uh, Muslim, uh, to Native American perspectives, atheism, you know, all these looking at, at this uh, subject matter and giving their interpretation how it's all really comes down to love. And if so, you know, how do we then perceive this subject matter through that lens? Um, and that's, that's the, the, um, the gist of that film. So when I was doing Half Light, it was funny because, you know, we're talking about these paranormal subjects and I, I felt there was kind of this similarity between all these scenarios that that these individuals had. And as it was coming together, I was you know that, that underpinning of love you know kept popping up. So it really became a spirituality film and less of a of a paranormal film. And we won the gold award um, you know for best documentary in uh, the Fortieth Film Festival yes. in and spirituality category. You know? so wow! Like, you know we didn't it didn't it didn't. Um, it, it stood out that way more so than than a uh, you know supernatural. Uh, kind I would of agree. Film. Yeah, I yeah. would agree absolutely. Yeah, so, that's important. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah, and and so even when someone um like A.J. Rasmussen, uh you know, she had a a horrific uh, relationship with a um, a man, a narcissistic man, as she she labels him, um, who abused her. And um, she had a near-death experience of what, you know, to her was the least equivalent to it. know um, I won't get into the details, but because of the harm that was done to her, she had this experience. And in this, you know, transported state where she was kind of out of her body, she was in this other realm. And in this world, she felt love, she felt warmth, she felt peace, and she felt the bigness Of the universe, Hmm. and um, when she came back, the only desire she had was to was like I have to share this, I have to share this with other people, and that's been her life's mission, you know. At this point, and she's deeply, you know, invested in spreading that word and you know, focusing on spirituality and the metaphysical, and that was a transformative experience based on something that was tragic and and horrific which again is it's like, you know, some of these things it's, they're not okay. And and yet somehow these people, you know, come out of it, uh, some people. See, I, I I do wanna clarify that this film was made with people that I had interviewed, friends that I had made. And so it does skew slightly bias because, you know, I'm sure I could find other people out there if I tried hard enough that had those kind of experiences. Um, and then it didn't take them to a good place, um, you know, even if they had a, a near-death experience, a, mm-hmm. you know, contact with the other side. Um, but what we have found is that the vast majority seem to be catapulted on a, a introspective spiritual journey. Um, and, and that's true for uh, anything, even even something like... A, um, a close encounter like Reese Hobbes had with these ghost like beings that he's like just chilling out one day, like no particular reason, smoking a cigarette on his, on his porch. And he sees it kind of like manifestations of, the, of a couple and the child, which make no sense to him. Um, that's you know a pretty neutral event, nothing tragic. And then but now he's curious for the rest of his life. He wants to know sure. what is that? Um, so we, got, we all get there in, in different ways. And I think that that's what the film kind of shows that from all these different directions. Um, and then towards the end of the film, uh, I really did, did want to focus on the community and the, the love that these people have for the paranormal community and for the urological community and, and all that jazz, um, because that it's formative. And, and the coming together of that, to finding others like-minded who, who can share those experiences with you is, is really powerful and it's comforting as well. Uh, so so that, that kind of solidifying of, of all of these things, um, bringing the community together, uh, it supports us It lifts us up individually, but also helps us, I think, eventually get closer to the, the truth.
1: You illustrate that beautifully in the film, by the way. And Thank you. Um, as to your uh, comment about perhaps being a bit biased because of the people that you interviewed, mm-hmm. it was meant to come to, to gel this way. You could do another film, maybe juxtaposing, you know, (laughs) why, why not? But this was, it Mm -hmm. it seems that, um, and I think the timing is perfect. Look, we're all looking for a common denominator, common denominator or common bond, something that can bring together versus divide. Mm -hmm. And if there's one spectrum of discussion, I, I started to say one subject, it's not just one subject, but it's a common, there's a common theme of the extraordinary transformative experiences, how they transform you and finding like-minded people to commune with. Mm -hmm. And I have gone out on a limb, the journeyers know, I feel that, well, relative even to the contact phenomenon, Alan, I feel that contact is ubiquitous. Most of it is unconscious. I've lectured on it. I lectured in Australia two years in a row, but the first year I gave a lecture called unconscious contact. Are you an experiencer and don't know it? Or I mm-hmm. went into a whole litany of themes that may give clues to contact. One I want to touch on with you because you touch on it in your film, having mm-hmm. to do with the trauma abduction connection, trauma being completely at a different, you know, childhood, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, childhood abuse, mm-hmm. trauma of any kind, not directly connected to the UFO phenomenon, but later resulting in a set of experiences. I'm going to take myself off screen because sure, yeah. allergies are kicking in. I'm going to put you front and center while I mm-hmm. mute and cough. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Comment well, on that. Well,
0: there, there there is a, a parallel um, to, for instance, Ryan Spreck. He uh, his mother had diabetes, and at the time, you know, it was essentially they th- they thought it was incurable. Uh, things had advanced so, so far. And um, so he, he had this fear of losing losing his mother, um, and thought that there was no there was no cure. Um, they weren't going to get you know the the, med- the medical treatment that they needed in time to save her life. Um, unfortunately, they they eventually did, but for those years, like could you, you know, there's that torment of I'm going to lose my mom, and then and now dad has to work extra hours, and I don't get to see dad anymore because. He's trying to pay for the medical bills, and, you know. Those, those are stressors that that we have on us, and um, you know, some people get scarred by that long long term. Ryan, on the other hand, uh, he he his mother did survive, thank goodness. I mean, who knows how this would have turned out for him had she not? Um, but she did, and that for him, as he describes, strengthened his faith um, spiritually. And, um, you know, for me, I'm not a religious person. I believe in, I believe in the universe, like the capital U. <clears throat> I believe in uh, love with a capital L, uh, but I don't believe in a monotheistic God per se. So, you know, but that's great because Ryan, Ryan felt closer to his, his higher power that way. And, um, and because of that spiritual underpinning, um, when he's doing his ufological research, it, it, it allows him to keep that supernatural door open a little bit, um, you, you know, instead of being a hard line, you know, uh, you follow oh. Jesper and just like, no, they're physical people coming from, right,
1: uh, right. You
0: know uh, <clears throat> off planet, and, uh, you know, and I kind of lost my train of thought too, but <laughs> so, um, it, it's this idea, like for me, for instance, um, uh, you know, going into the darkness. <clears throat> and getting lost and coming out. There's, there's this theme that we see played out in mythology, world, world mythology in religion, um, going into the cave, going into the abyss, going to the belly of the whale um, and being kind of catapulted on a, a hero's journey mm-hmm. that you did not choose, you know? Um, and then you have to find your way out of it. And when you do, you are wiser. And I think that that's <clears throat> what you're seeing with all these people that are interviewed in the film. They are wiser and they are also now, in many ways, teachers too, sharing that experiences with others as they learn, continue to learn themselves. And I think that that's a really beautiful um, effect of, of all these things. Geraldine, again, uh, she had, and I can relate to this because I'm a recovering addict. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've in my younger years and particularly I caused a lot of damage to myself and others she had uh, someone that she loved that struggled with with addiction Mm -hmm. and um and eventually lost uh, that person right Um, and that was another shift so she had two shifts in her life one was the the abduction experience but the the other was this um and she really was like I need to, to kind of figure out my place and try to understand all of this so not give up right so for me um in my especially in my early years um you know relapsing and trying to figure it out and relapsing up and down and i used to listen to coast to coast AM all the time Mm -hmm. um and this this was you know before there were lots of different you know podcasts out there and so i'd listen at nighttime whenever i could um i'm on the east coast and that was really late and but i worked i worked evenings so it wasn't too bad and then on the subway, I would download, you know, episodes and and listen to it there. Mm-hmm. And I did this all the time for years because, for me, it, you know, again, I'm not a religious person. So for me, listening to all these stories of kind of high strangeness and spirituality, and even just things like cryptozoology, um, it, it, it created this sense of mystery. Um, and because of that, because I because I thought, wait a minute, what if? these crazy ideas what if some of them are, are real and eh, on, on top of that it, it, it taught me that i don't know enough to give up on myself i just don't i don't like and there's too much that's interesting out there to just say i i, I know enough that i'm going to make this decision to just give up and, and you know you know mm-hmm. end up in a, in a drug den somewhere or kill myself or something mm-hmm. like that so um you know, I'm I'm grateful. <laughs> like I'm grateful for for journeyers, um that listen to your show and your show and other shows like it, because it keeps keeps the, the, these shows the proliferation of these topics going. Because I'm sure, I'm positive, there's other people out there that have experienced what I've experienced, um, and it kind of saved their life in a way, as well.
1: There is this unavoidable coinciding, Alan, of not just tragedy, but in very, very powerful chapters of one's life, like yours as an example, like Geraldine's, like really virtually everyone that you interviewed had that part of their life present, whether it was losing a loved one tragically or going through a tragic experience directly, that again seems to, or at least how you presented it, present it coincides with, connects to somehow what we call The paranormal. Now, I don't know where I'm going with this other than just to acknowledge that the two seem to go hand in hand. It's not the paranormal experience that's causing the trauma, but a parallel of an aspect of one's Mm -hmm. life that seems to magnetize these experiences, whether before, simultaneously, after, all the above. Mm -hmm. I just find that intriguing. That's where I was going before I started coughing my head off. you know, in the case of uh, it may have been AJ who talked about had having gone through uh, at a young age a traumatic experience that she didn't go into. I don't believe, but it 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 um it start, it started her seeing shadow people. <clears throat> Right. Yes. And this is a phenomenon that I've covered. I, I actually covered it yeah. uh, a great deal with my l- late friend who I miss dearly, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Oh God. Ro and I were friends yeah. for 20 plus years. and that, that's, uh, she, that's awesome. Yeah. I miss her. I miss her uh, to pieces. In fact, her, yeah. her picture popped up somewhere, I think in your film. And I'm like, Oh my God, Ro. Anyway, she had the shadow person thing covered and we've done multiple interviews mm-hmm. on on that phenomenon. And I, I one day I'm going to come up with a thesis that I am actually working on. However, mm-hmm. the trauma connection, I just happen to have, I'm not going to name any names. Uh, most of you know that I've relocated to Down South and a neighbor's friend who watches me on The Proof is out there, found out that I now live down the street. Oh, I want to meet her. I want to meet her. Well, we got to talking. Mm-hmm. First thing she told me, Alan, my daughter sees shadow people. Okay, wow. I'm gonna cut to the chase. After I had an opportunity to speak with her a little bit more, it turned out that her daughter has a lot of psychological well psycho I I, I want to make sure I'm clear about this. She has gone through her share of trauma, mm-hmm. intensified in the last couple of years. I believe some of it had to do with a, a partner. This is an adult, a young adult, uh, a you know, boyfriend, but started seeing what she called, what she referred to as shadow people about two years ago. So again, here we go with that. Other problems going on, seeming to be impetus for these experiences happening. Give me your thoughts on that. Have you heard of this in, in other cases besides mm. the two that we're talking about?
0: Yeah, I feel I feel I need to maybe spend more time thinking about this and, and I do think about it a lot. Um, but I do tend to, as of late, kind of go against the grain of my own friends um, so AJ, Heidi Hollis is, is a good friend and she, you know, has been studying shadow people for, for decades now. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's hard for me to disagree with, with someone like Heidi, but I, I kind of feel um, sometimes that, like, cause AJ even in the, hints at this um, or says it in the film, when she first had these experiences with shadow people she thought that they, like, were a comfort to her. Like, oh, look, there are these beings here, how nice, you know, That I'm not alone during this really hard time. Um, they weren't, like, giving off warm energy and love and light and all that stuff. They were just kind of there. Uh, and then she, you know, states that she later understood that they're there to suck, you know, uh, negative energy, right, um, from her, vampirically. But I, I do wonder uh, you know, since we don't know what they are in the first place, are there some instances where these beings are just there to be there to say you're not alone because um, something as bad is happening? Uh, so, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, now, if you look at the whole of accounts, there are what people would consider kind of like attacks. You know, um, you know, literally draining them, making them, you know. Bringing bad luck, it would seem, uh, and hurting them. So, you know, uh, maybe we can separate those accounts from some of these other accounts instead of putting them all in the same uh, category, the same basket. And maybe some of these are different because we don't know what these things are really anyway. um, You know, just like there's, you know, all kinds of uh, apparently uh, angels or aliens or humans, you know, who knows? Uh, uh, So I'm keeping the door open on that. I'm not going to fall into the category quite yet that they're all you know, evil, evil beings. Um, although I do, based on, on the reports, I do tend to lean that way.
1: I'm, li- I'm thinking about the conversation. Um, Ryan, your your ears must be burning, man, because Ryan Sprague, I keep... I him love, I love him. him. it's cool. i got to connect with him. We don't know each but other. Yeah. <clears throat> but listening to his podcast uh, this mm-hmm. morning, just this morning with Mitch Horowitz, all of these themes came up, and, I, and, and the phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. But... This idea of um, good or bad, are they good or bad? Are the aliens malevolent or benevolent? And the theme came up and it's a quote that I have used that sums it up beautifully. I use this quote all the time. There's a couple. The test of a first rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm We need, and I'm going to quote Mitch Horowitz here, we need to get comfortable with paradox. Yes. The idea, despite the fact that we live in uh, a dualistic form of reality, mm-hmm. the up and down, the right, the wrong, the good or bad, it's neither, it's both. <clears throat> it's either, neither, and both. All of the above. All of the above. Neutral. Yeah. Shadow people is a most intriguing phenomenon to me because A, it's probably one of the most ubiquitous paranormal phenomena that I, as a researcher, am aware of next to out-of-body experiences in terms of the numbers of recorded data. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> i personally taken dozens of accounts of individuals, most of which don't even know to call them that. That's why I was surprised when my neighbor's friend came to me and she named it. They apparently have done some research on the phenomenon thinking maybe someone else is having, it. well, I got news for you. A lot of us are. I believe I had my own, uh, Mm -hmm. Alan, many, many years ago. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until I started researching, working with Rosemary Ellen Guiley that I had an epiphany. Gee, I think I've seen one. The question is, what are they? Is it one phenomenon? Let me throw this out at you, because we touched Mm -hmm. on it earlier in the conversation. We talk about to what extent, if at all, our own consciousness is creating the reality across the board. The question has come to mind for me might we based on a whole litany of circumstances be conjuring it's a strong word mm-hmm. some of these shadow being phenomena i always go back to the old you know euphemism oh you're afraid mm-hmm. of your own shadow where'd that come from
0: <laughs> that's a good that's a really good point and a
1: really good question uh not in all cases i want to stress that but could it be in some cases that we are perhaps in some cases, I want to stress this, Mm -hmm. creating a throw off of ourselves, perhaps our shadow side, hence the observation without any action.
0: Okay. So we often talk about intention, whether that's just everyday intention or, you know, manifesting your reality and bringing the things that you want to through your mindset, through meditation and ritual and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so if we can accept that, that the combination of intention and effort can attract, to so literally you know, attract things, kind of massage the universe in a way to kind of you know, help you along the way on your path and bring to you what, what you are hoping for, then couldn't the, our, uh, our mental states and our intention also bring these beings um if you're thinking unconsciously so so that could be an angel too right like people i don't believe in angels particularly um but people have those encounters they report those encounters so what's going on there you know if they're in such a place that that they are kind of calling that or uh, conjuring you know that 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 being i think that that's really interesting and why not it'd be a shadow being depending on this the state of mind you're in Maybe that's what you're manifesting so that there is something there. You know, if you're in a really dark place, um, you know, just because it's a shadow doesn't mean it's, it's evil. And it. mm. so maybe I think that conjuring something like that is, is per- totally possible because I do believe that our intentions can, can manifest things. Personally, I'm still struggling with <laughs> how much is too much
1: effort. You know, and how much mm-hmm. is is not enough. What's the formula, I'm, in other words? Yeah. It's, it's so common. It's a I'm still, one. It's I'm still elusive. working on it. Like, mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know, sometimes you I work really hard. I'm, like, pushing myself. I'm, like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. But then, on the other hand, there's, like, the flow of chi. And, um, and I know that if I kind of let go and, and and tap into the force, then some things will just kind of happen on their own. So... Tapping
1: into the force, I think, yeah, you, yeah. oh my God, this could be, you guys, we could go on for two, three <laughs> hours. We're going to have to have you back. Yeah, I love you Colin. so much. I, is, I love is, these conversations. I yeah. do too. I do it every day, all the time. <laughs> my husband gets sick of it, but <laughs> I bring him in. Anyway, I mean, there's yeah. a lot to love, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot to explore here. Um, I'm going to kind of wind down on this note. Are you familiar with sure. the Seth material by the famous late Jane Roberts? The channeled work, the channeled work. I
0: am you know, it was brought up on the show once before, but I've not spent a lot of time. I think that's something
1: you would absolutely that's what people keep telling me to do. Well, there you go, there's your signal. Do it. Well, I'm going to just go ahead and quote Seth a Mm -hmm. very simple quote, and any Sethians would know this yeah, yeah, consciousness creates reality, not the other way around. He mm-hmm. made it so simple. Obviously, he had these phrases, you create your own reality, Y-C-Y-O-R. I'm a student of Seth. I studied it years ago. Uh-huh. Okay. So- these concepts that are complex, but he had such a way, I, we say he, this this entity that was uh, channeled uh, quite mm-hmm. profoundly uh, through Jane Roberts, who uh, died back in the uh, mid-80s, I believe. Ch- um, n- copious notes taken by her husband, Robert Butts, who's since passed the most amazing body of metaphysical work and, and understanding all of these mysteries that we're talking about from a very unique perspective, but at the core for him, for Seth, the message was, and continues to be, consciousness creates reality. And therefore all, not the other way around, he said, Mm -hmm. and therefore all of these phenomena that we are so, um, that we so want to assign to something, some some agency outside of us could, in fact, just be us. Mm-hmm. But is it happening consciously or unconsciously? I dare say, ninety percent, if not more, unconsciously. But yeah. we've got a lot. I always say my audience knows we got skin in the game.
0: We, we definitely we got do.
1: skin in the game. And so, yeah. from that perspective, let me let me leave you with this question: If you could maybe give us a brief answer, mm-hmm. do you feel that we deserve to know? what's going on with all of this. Sure. Is it ours to know what's happening?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think that consciousness, our our consciousness is an extension of, you know, the, the very fabric of the universe. And ergo, we're a part of it. So yeah, of course, it's cool to know. Um, I think we'll get there, I think we're working on it. And, you know, I have to say, like, all these people that are listening now, and, amateurs that are out there and researching it, and ghost hunting and doing their investigations and uh, all of that work is important because they're laying the groundwork, um, you know, for more well-funded studies, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. along the way. I mean, look at someone like Abby Loeb now, uh Mm -hmm. with the galileo project i mean Mm -hmm. that's a big step Mm -hmm. yeah is he ready to embrace like the weird aspects of quantum physics to to use as an explanation for everything no of course not he's not there but it's a big step it's supporting it certainly it it certainly is yeah yeah i mean even quantum physicists you know they 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 say you just have to accept that we don't really understand it it's weird we don't really like the double slit experiment um you know it's just bizarre. Spooky and so, action
1: at a distance. At sp- yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just so got to nice. keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So much. Oh my gosh. Well, you're helping to add to this tapestry, not just with half light, but with your two podcasts, coffee and UFOs and paranormal yeah. now, or did you tell me that paranormal now <laughs> changed to what
0: changed to? Okay. So yes, coffee and UFOs uh, and paranormal now has changed to mystic lounge um, so my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash mystic lounge, I changed the podcast name to that because as I was making half Light and just where I am in my, in my life, I wanted to add more, um, spirituality and wellness content to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So having the word paranormal, I didn't want people to, to come across it and just think that's all, that's all it is. Um, like last week I interviewed, um, Tyler Henry. I had uh, Ruben, Fast Horse. You know, it's a, we're you know really opening up the door mm. of like the kind of topics that were that were covered, um, and so and and the tagline is still uh, live in the mystery because that that's never going to change. <laughs> yeah. The mystery. So it's exciting, exciting. I'm really I'm really happy with the change. So I'm sorry for the confusion, but um, just for the record, a, you heard it here. We'll make record, sure that yeah.
1: there's a link to to all yeah. of that. Speaking of mystery, here's another quote: "It does no harm to the mystery to know a little bit about it." Richard yeah. Feynman. Right? Yeah, Richard, physicist Richard Feynman. I love quoting these people because it just—they know how to wrap it up with such these profound concepts mm-hmm. and such. And these are the people that came up with the the quotes as they were pondering. Alan, the same things that you and I are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Well, even even that, yeah. Hmm. Even Neil
0: deGrasse Tyson, I mean, you know, he says, we are each of us a, a universe, you know, so it's...
1: it's. Oh, he's just copying William Blake. Well, <laughs> oh, my God. Are the universe William? is within a grain of sand. I, you know, this... Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but but even someone who's much more conservative, you know, yes, in, in his analysis of anything strange, uh, yeah. it, he he taps into that mysticism, and he, he does it all the time, and I love it. I love yeah.
1: his enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wink and nod to you, dude. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like, (laughs) this has been great. So I'm going to tell people where they can Mm -hmm. find the film. You could tell them, I could tell them. You can find it for free on Mystic Lounge, right? Now mm-hmm. I know what Mystic Lounge is because I went there to to watch the film in its entirety. I'm like, who's Mystic Lounge? Well, that's the formal paranormal now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all of you guys go over there. Please watch this film and come mm-hmm. back to me. Email Ryan. Go to his website, which is, by the way, your website. Your website, My website
0: at mysticlounge.net.
1: I love it. Mysticlounge.net. Mm-hmm. Go over there and say hi to to and let him know what you feel about the film. And I know okay. the Journeyers have plenty of stories in case there's a part two, a sequel, because there's so many stories and they all uh-huh. need to be told, right? Well, do you have a
0: story to tell? Because
1: maybe we can uh, interview you for the next one. Oh, please. I Do I have a story to tell? He doesn't yeah. know me that well, no, well I have enough, a story clearly. to tell. Yeah. My story's been, been told a few times. Yes, I do. I okay, have a cool. lot yeah. of stories to tell, but I love listening to other people's stories. So True. this has been great. Thank you so much. And congratulations on the awards with the film. Thank you. More to come, it. I hope. I hope so. Yeah, we're, we're still in the running, so we'll see. That's great. We'll keep our fingers crossed. In the meantime, however, we're not done talking yet. You know where we're going, right next door. Door is opening right now for the Patreon After Show. We're going to continue the discussion. We may get even a little deeper as we try to do over there. So I hope you'll join us, journeyers. And uh, as always, I thank you for joining us. Thank you, Alan B. Smith, for joining us today for the first time and not the last. We appreciate appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care.